Well, welcome, everyone, to the Robin Walters Show. God bless you all. This is an exciting day, and exciting because we actually have some new equipment. Hallelujah, 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 and hallelujah. Throw that all in there, too. I am so excited about this upgrade. I hope it comes across as well as we hope. And we've got a packed program, as always. But if you want to write to me, you certainly can. Robin Walters Show at gmail.com. Be sure and listen to uh, the podcast version of this. It's just The Robin Walters Show. Click on your podcast icon or go to Rumble. Uh, that's an increasingly popular site for getting the program. And we're going to get rolling today. I'm just going to give you the title of this program. I'm not going to title every program, but this one has one, and it's called Death by Democrat. That's right, Death by Democrat. Uh, it's just, well, you'll hear it in a minute. But there's something seriously wrong in the when the whole world is offended by absolutely anything and everything except for sin. Right? Isn't that kind of where we are? You can't criticize sin. You get kicked out of school, as you'll hear about from... Uh, uh, several 12-year-olds today. They can't talk about sin. They can't even put it on a shirt lest they convict the left-leaning, hell-bound teachers and administration, offend them, convict them of their sin, and they get bounced out of school. But death by Democrat. I want you to consider what that party is doing and has brought us, particularly over the last two years under Joe Corn pop Biden. Number one, and this is not in any particular order, we have this human trafficking uh, at an unguarded, unmaintained border that is just horrific. The molestation, the abuse of children, the things that are going on, which has been largely post-inauguration of Joe Biden. It didn't happen under Donald Trump. Remember, we got a president here who is rather fond of fondling. I mean, all the videos I have seen of this perv, he is a pervert. All the videos I've seen where he's massaging a girl's shoulders and running his hands up and down her arms and leaning in behind these are invariably 12, 13, 14-year-old girls, not prepubescent, probably right at that age, sniffing their hair. He's a, I mean, goodness sakes, if, uh, if we have dogs at the border that can sniff drugs as well as Joe Biden sniffs girls' hair, wouldn't have any drugs coming in. But the guy's a perv. And I was actually I was wondering... Just last night, I was wondering, what, since Joe Biden is totally for kids changing their sex, 
uh, pretending, faking it to be something other than they are, what would Joe Biden's response be while he's massaging, um, fondling some 13-year-old girl to actually find out that it's just a younger version of Dylan Mulvaney? It's actually a boy he's fondling. Would he have the same unbridled support for sex changes if he did that as he has said that he has? I doubt it. But so let, let's move along. After that, you've got the fentanyl crisis. We've got uh, what? I don't know how many tens of thousands that have died since Joe Biden has taken office. But it is a leading cause of death for 18 to 45-year-olds. More have died from fentanyl deaths than a number of major wars that we have been in. This is how bad it is. Did not have that under Donald Trump. Under an open borders, it's ali ali oxygen free, however you say that in Chinese, because it's a CCP that's behind the fentanyl invasion. Why does Joe hate this country so much? He's weaponized the federal agencies, the IRS, mostly the DOJ or Department of Injustice, the FBI. My gosh, it's just... Why does he not like civilization? Why doesn't he not like humanity? I mean, is he following the Bill Gates, let's find a host of ways to lower the world's population? The Bill Gates approach, let's kill people actively to save them from a passive death. I mean, you think about that, just how stupid that is, and it is. Let's find ways to reduce the population now in an active way so that they don't die in a passive way later on because we're overpopulated. Number three, you've got the abominable Afghan withdrawal, the needless death of 12, I think it was. Four, you have all the deaths attributed to abortion, pre-birth, at birth, and in some cases, post-birth, which Joey loves and endorses. I mean, goodness, in one day, the abortion toll in this country falls just barely short of how many died on 9-11. Think about that. Five, we've got the unbridled number of deaths owing from just the criminal deaths coming out of the 633 riots that the left is uh, all for because they thought it could bring down Donald Trump, where the mayor of Portland said it's a summer of love. While stuff is burning, people are getting beaten up, robbed. Goodness. I mean, you have virtually every Democrat-run city right now that's locked in a in severe competition to be the murder capital of the United States. Crime is off the chart in all of these Democrat-run cities. And why? Because we have a reign of lawlessness. That's exactly what it is, a reign of lawlessness in this country. Next. 
You got the left-wing prosecutors who won't prosecute people, will prosecute the perps, especially if the perps are uh, tend to be. I'm just going to say it, black. If they're if the perps are white, uh, they'll get prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Take a look at the January sixth deal. But I am so sick and tired. I've had to quit watching the videos that show up every week of blacks beating, stabbing whites and Jews and Asians. It really is terrible. And why do we have that? Because Joe Biden and the Democrats on the heels of George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, hands up, don't shoot Michael Brown or whatever his name is, have legitimized violence in all of its forms without, you know, without consequences. We are in an awful, awful situation in this country. Well, seven. We have the deaths that are going up all the time, I might, I might add, just from Joe Biden's treatment of young people. Young people. You, what people don't know is how many of these kids have been encouraged to be trannies, undertaken the uh, gender-affirming care, but then will not report the number of suicides as a result of these policies. Suicide rate has gone up astronomically among young children, especially young girls. Young girls are killing themselves at an all-time rate. All since Biden took office. These are not numbers and stats that have been with us forever. Maybe if there's an uptick, it's been slow. But they're skyrocketing under Joey Cornpop. Just the way that it is. That's what's happening. I mean, so what drives this Biden reign of terror against humanity and civilization? Well, number eight. The number of illegals that are killing citizens by guns, knives, and frankly, vehicles by means of drunk driving. I mean, none of this gets regularly reported, does it? No, it doesn't. You see, Democrat has come to the point where Democrat and death are synonymous. And I haven't covered everything I possibly could cover here. But everything that I've discussed deals with death. He's apparently for the death of civilization, death of society, death of this country, death of the Constitution. Everything that everything Democrats support ultimately has death as its unavoidable consequence, whether it's a stupid drug legalization like in the stupid states of Washington. And now there are unbelievable amount of deaths from drug overdoses because it's been essentially legalized. Everything, everything Democrats touch turns to death. They are a death cult. They clearly are. There's nothing 
and anything that they that they uh, propose that af- involves the affirmation of life in its truest and purest sense. None. None whatsoever. So you might wonder, why would anybody on the left even remotely consider trying to keep the Energizer bunny inside of Joe's brain alive? Because he's, he's brain dead, essentially. He's, he's always been a liar, and he's always been a pervert. He hasn't always been just unbridled stupidity, as he is now. Well, why would they push him for re-election? The answer is actually very, very easy. It's because Joe Biden is a useful idiot for the left. He's a useful idiot for the left. You see, another Democratic candidate, take RFK Jr., who among Democrats is pretty good by their standards. They don't want him in there because he actually is a thinking person who is somewhat independent of pressure. He has nothing to prove, nothing really to gain. They don't want him in there. They want somebody who is just the uh, political version of, of um, I don't know, the puppets in, there, the, in the Sound of Music. It, 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 you need a puppeteer to run a puppet. And Joey is that useful idiot. He doesn't know what he says. When he says it, he is an absolute moron who has lied through every orifice of his body. And to give him a little credit, Sometimes he doesn't actually even know he's lying. He really doesn't. Well, but Biden, I don't think he's going to get that far. I really don't. Um, He should very soon be impeached. I mean, goodness sakes, we got 47 reasons to impeach him. Why are we waiting? Well, If we impeached him, this is just my pure speculation here. If you impeached him, it might accelerate and vault Gavin Greaseball Gruesome into the number one slot on the Democratic ticket. And he'd be awful. I'll tell you, if he ends up president, I want to be in a state that will secede immediately. Forget the United States. It's over. If Greaseball Gruesome is president. It's done. And impeaching Biden would probably accelerate that process. Because, hey, he's getting impeached. I mean, kind of interesting, wouldn't it be, though, you've got Biden and Trump, two candidates, each of whom have been impeached, running against each other. That'd be a first in this country. But I don't think that they're going to do it because I don't think that they want to accelerate uh, Gruesome's entry into uh, the political, the national political dialogue for who should be president. Because he's going to appeal to some people for the same reason JFK appealed. Uh, he's reasonably nice looking. He seemed to be uh, 
kind of cavalier, but also rather smooth and charismatic and all that crap. Well, guess what? So is the Antichrist going to be charismatic and smooth. Think the Antichrist is going to be somebody with 12 warts all over their nose and three eyes? No. People aren't going to, people aren't going to be attracted to that. Not in the least. You know, people ask me quite frequently. It's a fair question. How could God let this happen? How could God let all this happen? And the answer to this is actually rather easy, too. Because we let it happen. Because we caused it to happen. Whether through our apathy, our ignorance, moving away from the word of God, calling sin good and calling evil good and good evil. We do it to ourselves. You see, some things don't require God's judgment. So let's just, I mean, as an example, from Romans 1, person begins to practice homosexual behavior. I say begins because in Romans 1, the implication is that this is not the way that it's always been, nor is it the way it's always been with a particular person. I mean, I know people that are in relationships that are so queer, so perverted, and they're the father of three or four children. How does that happen? Well, because they went to the dark side. That's how it happened. But we let it happen. When you abdicate your role as a government, when we abdicate the influence in the public schools, something is going to fill those gaps. Something's going to come in and fill the vacuum that the absence and the departure of Christians and Christian influence leaves behind. But like I said, God doesn't have to actually judge us any more than he has to judge the person who turns homosexual in Romans 1. It just says that when he does that in, in the process of time, they will reap the reward in their body of their behavior. So they're going to get diseased with the various diseases that particularly and uniquely affect homosexuals. It's just part of the equation. I mean, if you do, you can't take drugs and then when your brain's fried, say, why did God let this happen? Not the way it works. We let it happen. We cause it to happen. By our, by our apathy, our ignorance, our pursuit of pleasure over righteousness, not standing up when the word of God is challenged in the public sphere, we need to be there standing up. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Is that not what Scripture says? So we do it to ourselves. And... I want to point out a couple of passages here that I think now is the time to do this. Rather interesting. Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 31. And God is talking about, in this passage, how a nation is overtaken. Now, we're sitting here on the verge of this horrific influx of illegals, which are they're just going to legitimize. It's simply a Democrat attempt 
to stack the polls and the votes in the ballot box so that no Republican ever gets elected again. And, of course, if that happens, then a number of states simply need to uh, leave the union, give the middle finger to Biden and say, uh, kiss off, buddy, because uh, we're out of here. And we have every right biblically and constitutionally to do so. But in Jeremiah 49, uh, verse 31, actually beginning just the passage just before that, God has spoken about the fact that about fleeing, there's a reference to Nebuchadnezzar, to Babylon. And he's speaking to these peoples. He says, arise, get you up unto the wealthy nation. So in other words, God is using foreigners here to judge a nation. Go to this wealthy nation. What nation on earth is wealthier than we are? None. What do we have at our southern border? 700,000 ready to come in to get up to a wealthy nation. And listen to the rest of this. It dwells, that wealthy nation, dwells without care, says the Lord. They don't have a care. The U.S. doesn't seem to really care what it's doing, wherever it is in the world, as long as it's somehow part and parcel of an effort to transfundamentally or fundamentally transform America into the dark side, to lose its anointing, to lose its special place in history, to surrender to the left. They, we dwell without care. We just don't think it can happen here. You've got, you got people who aren't Christians think, well, this will never happen. It's never happened before. Well, wait a second. We've already outlived any constitutional Republican duration in the history of the United States. Why would we think that we're so special that we are going to survive this? And all the Christians who think, well, before it gets really bad, I'm going to get raptured out of here. Forget that junk. There's a rapture. But not before you have an opportunity to show God just how much you love him by offering up your life at the hands of the Antichrist. I know my book does not, it does not sell well. The rapture revisited. Finally, a lawyer takes a look at end time events. I know why it doesn't sell well. And I even said so in the book, why the book wouldn't sell well, because it's a message people don't want to hear. We would prefer to live in this country with nary a care and think that somehow, because we've always survived, we always will survive. Because in the past, we've always emerged victorious. We'll emerge victorious again. Baloney. Bullcrap. There's nothing biblically that supports that perspective. And shame on the Christians who think that they can back off on having taken a stand just because they're going to get a last-minute elevator ride out of here and avoid all the persecution that our brothers and sisters before us have suffered. But I'm not done with this verse. So arise, get you up to a wealthy nation, those that dwell without care, saith the Lord, which have neither gates nor bars. Right? We don't have any gates or bars anymore. We basically have no border. 
We are we have purposefully rendered ourselves exposed and defenseless to whatever and how many ever hordes from any part of the world would come through our southern border. Stupid. Demonic. I mean, Germany regrets letting in the gazillion Muslims. And the other, France, it's going to be a Muslim nation in 20 years. But they're fine having their latte schmate in their outdoor cafe in Gay Paris. They don't have any kids. They just hire all the Muslims, which are having a gazillion kids. Because it is true. The future belongs to the fertile. Show me who's going to have the most children. And I can show you who's going to be in charge in a generation or two. It's always been that case. So how could you more accurately describe the United States in this passage out of Jeremiah? And if you turn over just a couple of pages to Jeremiah 51.11, this I find very interesting. I don't want to get carried away with this passage, but just a little tidbit for you to put in your brain and cogitate on this idea. It says, Make bright the arrows, gather the shields. The Lord has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes. For his device is against Babylon to destroy it because it is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance of his temple. We are in many, many respects a modern-day Babylon. We are about materialism, not spirituality. We are about sin, not righteousness. The number one export for the United States is no longer oil, no, no longer wheat, it's sin. And that was started under Barack Hussein Obama. That's our number one export. But what I want to draw your attention to is the God has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes. Okay, you had an empire. It was the Medes and the Persians. And the Medes, the word, the root for that is media. I kid you not. I don't want to push this too far, but I find it interesting that God, in judging a nation that was once righteous and severely goes into the tank, refuting, fighting against God himself, flipping God off practically, that God has historically used an outside party to judge him. In this case, it's the Medes. Who is it that does it to us? I mean, today, largely the media. Nobody hates this country more than the media. And it seems as that God is using or has allowed to be used the media to bring a certain level of judgment upon us. One last passage, then I gotta I gotta move on. If you get back to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter eighteen. Who boy. Ready? Sitting down. 
God lists the sins of a once, once righteous nation that now becomes a basis upon which, because they were once righteous, that God must judge them in all fairness. God says in Leviticus 18, it talks about, for a number of passages there, all the different types of incest that comes within the definition of incest. I mean, it isn't just uh, a boy with his mother or a daughter with his father. It's a much, it's a wider, it's obviously brother and sister. But God goes through a pretty extensive list of the kinds of relationships which would constitute incest, which, of course, the left is pushing now as they push pedophilia and everything else. But it says in verse 18, You shall not take a wife to her sister to vex her. Thou shalt not approach unto a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is put apart for her uncleanness. Okay? All right, I kind of get that. But now, hang on. Moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. So verse 20 is an absolute prohibition against adultery. Oh my, we are to the break already? Don't go away. This is Robin Walter with the Robin Walter Show. We will be right back. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. Well, I think my dog's a Democrat. And it breaks my heart to have to say an ugly thing like that. But there's a big old pile of evidence that all points towards the fact my dog might be a Democrat. We are back. This is the Robin Walter Show. Thank you for uh, hanging on here. We're going into our second segment. Final segment of the program, reading from Leviticus 18, what God thinks uh, about a nation and what he must do to a nation that once knew him and practices the evils that I'm about to list here. We started with incest. It went to adultery. Um and now it says, verse 21, chapter 18, Thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. So 21 is a direct relationship to child sacrifice, which is exactly what abortion is. 
because abortion is about the pleasure of the woman. Rarely, rarely, rarely does it have anything to do with a medical necessity. In other words, a woman's going to die if there's not an abortion. No, it is simply a method of birth control. The old Bill and Hillary Clinton about, oh, we want to keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. It's a bunch of crap. We knew it was crap. The statistics point out that it's crap. So we have incest. We have adultery. We have abortion. Then it says, thou shalt not lie. With mankind as with womankind, it is an abomination. Queer sex. Homosexuals doing that, which God calls an absolute abomination. Moving on. Neither shall a lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down. Therefore, it is confusion. Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you, Israel. Now, do we have the legalization of bestiality in this country? Uh, In a few places, yes, we do. And it's not prosecuted where it occurs. It's now a misdemeanor instead of a felony. It's basically a parking ticket. And, of course, the uh, Old Testament requirement, if you were caught, is that the man or the woman gets killed, and so does the beast. They all get executed. It goes on to say here then in verse 25, The land is defiled, therefore I will visit the iniquity of that land upon it. And the land itself will vomit out her inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments. You shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that is among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled. Let the land vomit not you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. Wow. Pretty strong, right? So these sins take a toll. A lot of these sins just simply have the consequences wrapped up in the behavior itself. But how does the land vomit out its inhabitants in a modern day? Well, the way the land vomits out its inhabitants is by other inhabitants coming in to take over. That's it. And to prove that point, this is probably my last scripture. If you go to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 28, there is a, are 15 verses that what God will do for the nation that obeys him. And there is something like, oh gosh, I don't know, 30 some verses dealing with a nation that will not obey him. But I'm going to draw your attention to just one particular passage where it says that if you sin and you're committing these kinds of sins, especially among a nation that knows better or has known better, it says that the stranger, in other words, the illegals crossing the border, that is within thee shall get up above thee very high. 
and you shall come down very low. He will end up lending to you, but you won't lend to him. He will be the head, and you will be the tail. That is the way by which the inhabitants get vomited out, so to speak, is that they lose their role, their preeminent position in their own country, and the country is simply taken over by others. And you know, we need to stop the illegal invasion. But I'm just going to throw in here one comment. They aren't any longer actually breaking in. They're just being invited in. And my guess is, while there's a bunch of bad dudes, to use Donald Trump's words, that are in this group, there are many that no doubt have a much higher caliber of morality than Democrats all Democrats, and some Republicans. My guess is they aren't into queer sex. My guess is that they aren't into uh, the adultery. They aren't into the, the incest. They aren't into these things that are increasingly defining our culture and, frankly, dictating our end. So, there you go. Now, you say, well, what, what is it that's so bad? Well, you know, you just take a look at Disney, who now has invited a drag queen by the name of Nina West to the world premiere of The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. Now got drag queens at The Little Mermaid. And probably, there's probably no Republican I loathe and despise more than Nikki Haley. What a loser. I just wish God would get some big hook and yank her off the scene. She wanted Disney to come to South Carolina. We'll take him. We'll take you, Disney. We'll take your 70,000 jobs. We aren't exactly woke, but we also aren't uh, sanctimonious. Speaking of Ron DeSantis, we'll take you. We're ready to compromise here in South Carolina. I don't think South Carolina is ready to compromise, but Nikki Haley sure is. So you move from the drag queen at Disney at, a, at the Little Mermaid. So then we go to uh, Middleborough. I think this is in Massachusetts, just the other day. 12-year-old sent home for wearing a T-shirt that said, quote, there are only two genders. That's all. Now, maybe you saw this on TV. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, what Satan intends for evil, God will use for good because his kid ended up reading before the school board and probably had them all twitching and twisting and turning in their underwear. And the video has 3.9 million views as of last count. But this young man said, I was told that people were complaining about the words on my shirt and that my shirt was making some students feel unsafe. End quote. Well, that's kind of interesting. So why is it that I don't, you can't feel unsafe about queer crap? in the schoolroom and on posters and stuff like that, which deals with underlying behavior that God calls an abomination. Anybody calling evil good and meritorious, something that's disgusting and deplorable, calling it to be good and healthy and beneficial, is a legitimate basis for not feeling safe. So if there's anybody that should not feel safe in schools, 
It's the Christians. Not somebody who can't handle a, a few words that convict them of their sin. The boy went on and said, well, there's nothing harmful. There's nothing threatening. It's just a statement, I believe, to be a fact. I have been told that my shirt was targeting a protected class. Who is this protected class? That's a good question. I've got to interject this. What's the protected class here? You got queers. You got straights. It's not attacking either one. It's just saying there are only two genders. And there are, right? God made male and female, and all the other genders were invented by Democrats. He goes on to say, are their feelings more important than my rights? I don't complain when I see pride flags and diversity posters hung throughout the school. Do you know why? Because others have a right to their beliefs just as I do. Well, the boy said there was no pushback from his classmates or teachers due to the shirt. He said he even had kids that came up to him and said they supported what he was saying. Now, this is something I interject. It seems like every administration should learn. All you have to do to have a small revival in school is to basically ban some event like see you at the poll. Tell the kids they can't do it, and you're going to have a certain number. They're going to want to do it. That's just kind of the way, just kind of the way kids are, right? You know, they kind of they're just times they're looking for something to push back on. He said there was no pushback from his classmates or teachers due to the shirt. I was told that the shirt was a disruption of learning. No one got up and stormed out of class. No one burst into tears. I'm sure I would have noticed if they had. Well, as it turns out, it's just a couple of, of queer ad admin people who got all bent out of shape, but tried to make him feel like he was the oddball, tried to marginalize a 12-year-old. These administrative people who uh, can't handle the conviction for their sin, and they also can't handle competition for the minds of the children. You see, as long as this boy is in a position to be able to at least just wear on his shirt something that competes, competes with the administration's narrative, he's a threat. Well, pretty, pretty clear to see. He said, why do these rules apply to one yet not another? I feel like these adults were telling me that it wasn't okay for me to have an opposing view. Son, you are exactly right. That is exactly what it is. You don't have a right to an opposing view. They sit there in a position to unilaterally declare and define what is misinformation, as if they know. But he goes on to say, I sure hope that there might be other students that will speak out. Well, a little tidbit from my law school days, a very famous case called Tinker versus Des Moines School District. There was a quote that came out of this speaking to the First Amendment rights of students. But there was a quote that defined this case more than anything else. And it was something to the effect, I don't have it exactly, but very close to it, 
that students do not shed their First Amendment rights at the schoolhouse gate. And the teachers that were involved weren't. It was actually a principal, Heather Heather Tucker, and some other woman, Superintendent Carolyn Lyons, who are uh, who are actually it's interesting. They're actually bullying this kid. That's right. Their schools are all about anti-bullying, but the administration will do it whenever they feel like uh, their values are being competed with. And uh, they'll just go after the kid, take him out. You know, there's another story, and I'm going to run out of time for this, but there is another story uh, the same day, same age, 12, same issue in New Hampshire, the boy who gets expelled because he is in a debate, a debate of sorts, with another boy talking about, and he says there's two genders. Well, the other kid baited him into this debate, reduced it to a text, so that the kid that baited him then ran to the principal to turn in the text messages of this other kid who said there are only two genders. Guess what? He got kicked out. So the point here is this. You have to, I've said this so many times, what are your children or grandchildren doing in a government school? What? God will provide a way for a better, righteous education than to sit there at the feet of these moral slobs. There's some good teachers, but they don't have the guts to speak up because if they spoke up, they get fired. The only ones that can speak up are the tranny queer crowd, the, uh, the CRT crowd, the 1619 crowd, the diversity, equity, and inclusion crowd. All of which sort of brings us back to the coming election and why it is so important. Now, it's possible. I don't know that legal ends, the, the legal end to Trump's legal issues and quagmire. Some, some have said he could end up in jail. He could actually do jail time. Now, that's the intent of the left is to connect him so much so with January 6th that they get jail time out of him. Well, what happens then? If it's a state, I'm just going to throw out this. I'm going to postulate for a second here. So that if he gets locked up or a particular state, New York, Washington, D.C., it's not a state, but it's a jurisdiction, They want to lock him up. They say he he needs to surrender himself. So he goes to Florida, which is his home. Now they'll ask Ron DeSantis, ostensibly his opponent, and Ron is fading fast. I mean, the spread now is Trump 60 and DeSantis 19. It just isn't there. But they're going to ask, would ask DeSantis, to sign an extradition order to ship Trump out of Florida to whatever state or jurisdiction wants to put him in jail. I don't think this is going to happen. Uh, The left is frequently dumb, certainly always evil. But they might... uh, Sometimes the devil just gets so full of himself, 
He pushes it. You know, if Trump sat in a jail and could never campaign, I'm not convinced that he wouldn't still be elected president. And in fact, it might draw more people into political fray than ever before. And Trump would know in that humbling moment that it is not he that won this election. It's all the people who rallied to his side. All the people who spent time and money campaigning for him. Wouldn't that be interesting? He's in jail and he wins a presidency. So now what happens? Well, the first thing you have to do is pardon himself. This just gets really crazy. I realize I'm kind of out there. But if it didn't get to that, but he was wanted in a particular state, I will tell you what the left would do. Let's say let's say he's got jail time in New York and DeSantis would not sign the extradition orders. I can tell what would happen. NBC will have a presidential debate. Where do you think it would be? New York. Well, the president, former President Trump didn't show up to the debate, so blah, 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 whatever. But here's what I want to get to here in the closing moments. If for some reason Trump does not survive the attacks on him, let's say the left takes him out politically. Who knows what they're going to do? They never quit. They haven't quit for years. Why should they quit now? They, they are, they're always floating some, some intimidating, illegal, unconstitutional idea up the flagpole to see if they can run them off. But let's suppose he doesn't survive that. At that point, then, who rises to the top? I would be 100% in support of Vivek Ramaswamy. I really like DeSantis. He's the best governor in the United States, but he's not presidential. I watched him on TV the other night. My wife and I, it was painful. He was trying to so concisely and precisely choose his words that he sounded confused. You couldn't really, I mean, when it got all done, I said to my wife, I said, what the heck did he just say? It was sort of like a Barack Obama thing where he's got a 35-second introduction to the answer to a question. By the time he actually starts to answer the question, you don't remember what the question was ever about. Obama was a master of that because he, he had to talk for 35, 45 seconds to figure out how he was going to try to spin his answer. And DeSantis sounded like that. It was terrible. It was he just could not handle himself in that kind of a spotlight. He needs to just stay as a governor, the best one there is. But if Donald Trump can run, he must. Now, somebody, if, if Trump can run, runs and he's unimpeded by legal matters, if somebody else on the Republican side beats Trump somehow, that's going to alienate a lot of mega Republicans. And so with that in mind, I don't want Ramaswamy to overtake Trump in a fair head-on challenge. I don't. So if Donald can run, he must. 
someone else winning is going to alienate those Trump people. But if he does not make it, in other words, if Trump does not make it because of some reason having nothing to do with Republican activity, in other words, if he's taken out by the left legally somehow, then all the Trump people who would were energetic for Trump because he got taken out have got to fall in line totally for whoever is the replacement. And there would be no sour grapes by those Republicans for whoever is a replacement. I mean, offhand, I think it's going to be Gavin Greaseball Gruesome against Trump. Or if Trump gets taken out, I would hope it's Gavin Greaseball Gruesome against Ramaswamy. And Ramaswamy could beat Newsom. I really, truly believe that. Because if the left takes out Trump for legal reasons, somehow, Ramaswamy will destroy Newsom in a debate. Number one, he seems to be a righteous man. Number two, he's ridiculously smart. And I think all Trumpers, under that scenario, would be in for Ramaswamy. Because now the anti-Trump Republicans have their alternative. Having said all that, I hope Donald survives this and, and runs because he is, uh, we're just right back at it. We need somebody ruthless. You see, one of the reasons the Democrats have such a hard time with Trump is because he treats them like Democrats have been treating Republicans. Forget the John McCain and Mitt Romney collegiality crap. That never worked, just trying to be really well-liked. Forget the Mike Huckabee. Uh, I'm going to use the presidential. I like Mike. He's a righteous man, but he used the presidential candidacy sort of as something to build up his comedy shtick. He was always trying to crack one-liners, thinking that he could make up, he could have jokes that would launch him into people's hearts. That doesn't cut it. Right now, we have we need a bull in a china shop. Again, the shop is full of china. The china's all made in China. And somebody needs to bust the china. Donald's a guy. If they take him out, if the left takes him out legally, they're going to be all high-fiving each other thinking that this election is in the bag. You might even see Hillary with her derriere bounce her way back in somehow. Don't think she's ever gone. She's always lurking in the background. And RFK Jr., they won't let him get two, they won't let him have two seconds on the air because he's too smart. He's anti-COVID vaccine. And some of, some are now trying to get him to switch parties and be Trump's running mate. Mistake. That is a big mistake. Ramaswamy should be Trump's running mate. If he's going to pick a woman, if he does, then it would need to be Carrie Lake at this point. But Trump and RFK Jr. do not agree on the vaccine issue, and that's a big issue with RFK. They are not aligned on something that's critical. Trump's still trying to defend himself. Well, Boy, that was a lot to fit in. Thank you for joining us this day. I encourage you all to sit tall on the saddle. Remember, 
You ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you, and we will see you next week. We got a tail.